You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of Eastern Iowa's most influential business leaders. Tony Bedard is the CEO of Frontier Co-op, an international seller of organic herbs, spices, and essential oils, and a wholesale distributor of natural products. He's an Iowa native with an entrepreneurial streak who found his way to the University of Northern Iowa, where he discovered the world of business. He started out at RV heavyweight Winnebago and eventually landed at Frontier Co-op, where he ran operations. These days, he's leading the company that's grown by about 12% year over year over the past 10 years under his watch, and now employs upwards of 500 people throughout Eastern Iowa. We talk about lessons learned from his tumultuous upbringing, the turning point in his career, and Frontier's philosophy of doing well by doing good. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. So, Tony, you're from a, a big family that, mm-hmm. that merged with another big family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this sort of like Brady Bunch situation with, right. with the Iowa backdrop. <laughs> uh, tell me a bit about your early family dynamic and how that sort of has shaped, shaped your life, oh. both professionally and personally, going forward. Yeah, I, I, I have a background a little bit different than most people. I, you know, I uh, grew up south of Waterloo, um, family of six kids. My father died when I was young, and uh, so my mother raised us alone for a bit, and uh, um, you know, he was a meat packer. He was a, um, he, you know, he, he worked all kinds of odd jobs in the farm and carpentry. But, you know, I, I, I understood the value of hard work. Um, and, uh, you know, I understood that, that you know, if you're going to make it in the world, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it by yourself and, and rely on yourself. But anyway, my mother remarried and they had his, their, uh, mother had died. So they had merged nine more that made 15 and they had wow. one more that's 16. So Numerous years, we had five in high school at a time. I okay. grew up in a household of 13 kids and stuff. So, you know, um, needless to say, there wasn't, you know, big allowances or anything like that. You, you, you went out and you, I had a job, by the, you know, I had a job when I was nine years old. I had a mowing business before I was 10 years old. Um, that's great. I, I, that's just what you did. So that many siblings, did they squeeze? How many, how many were you rooming with? What was the, well, well, I, the piece I, I of all I contend that I, I actually have never slept alone because <laughs> I, I shared a bed with my brother and then my wife. I got married okay. rather young, so yeah. I'm not sure I had a bed alone that often. But, okay. uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's, uh, there's always room. So yeah. it was a farmhouse and four-bedroom, five-bedroom. And you, uh, up by Waterloo, that's Dan Gable. That's wrestling country, right? You got a little wrestling background. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, oh, no, he was, uh, he was uh, everything. You know, I, I grew, you know, I, when he won the Olympics, you know, I was 16 years old. And, okay. Um, he gave me my first chart at the Walhawk Invitational. And wow. He, uh, he, you know, he, or I was, let's see, I was 12 years old when he won his, his title. But he, uh, you know, he signed, remember signing, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, he... I use, uh, I use, you know, we talk about quotes in life or whatever. It, it, it was a quote he wrote down one time. Um, it's, yeah, make your own luck. 
Yeah. And uh, I've used that forever. But it came from Dan Gable. I'm sure he stole it from somebody. But That's great. What, what were some of those other jobs you had as a young kid? You mentioned, uh, you know, mowing lawns and those sort of things. Oh, it started yeah. at the age of nine. What, what, what were some other kind of entrepreneurial endeavors you, you yeah. took? Um, oh, you, you know, pulling weeds out of the beans, um, just hassling. I mean, you talk about entrepreneurial. We, we always had a couple of jobs. So I would work the detasseling crews, um, but I would, take a, I would take a contract, right? So we wouldn't go on the cruise because we'd make better money if we actually took our own acres. And our, our family figured that out, the kids and um, as I grew up, I uh, grew up doing construction. My stepfather was a ca- um, carpenter okay. and uh, had a small farm. So, um, I, you know, we did night jobs. I had, we had our own cement pouring business, did that for years on the side. Um, even when I was working at Winnebago in the early days, I'd do a lot of cement on the side. We, we just, you know, you took it. We roofed houses. We took the roofing jobs All that other it, people yeah. didn't want. But we had five boys, that, and we, we, were, we were a crew. I mean, to this day, I still, I, I mean, that's what I do in my spare time is, like, you know, dig holes and pound right. nails and stuff. So. so with that wrestling background and work ethic being obviously such a huge, huge part of your upbringing, how has that thread played its way through now as a, as a leader of a large company like Frontier? Um, you know, talk a bit about how, how you've kind of implemented that, that same culture here, here at your company. Yeah, I, you know, um, I, I, I think for a while there in my life, I, uh, especially through my kids and stuff, I, I think people look at sports and looked at me in sports and thought I, you know, I, 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 they're just too, you know, maybe make them too important. But in my life, sports were everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what kept me through high school. I almost didn't make it through high school a couple times. Um, wrestling was an outlet for uh, my whatever my aggressiveness or something sure. that I couldn't quite get under control in my high school years and. So sports was, was everything, and then you what know, else did you play? What else did you do besides wrestling? Well, I went to a small school. I went to Don Bosco. So Don okay. Bosco's, you know, still a wrestling capital. Everybody's got it. It's, that's the, the old well, days. Multi sport. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, yeah, everybody's. I mean, you, we had 140 kids in the school. So sure, I played <laughs> baseball. We didn't have the football back then. Um, baseball ran cross country. Okay. Did wrestling. So, but it, it's it's uh, for me wrestling was the sport of wrestling was um the, you know it's 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 about you as an individual mm-hmm. you know there's no excuses um a lot of sacrifice um i think you know i grew up you know you know in my background it, it's uh if it isn't hard it isn't worth it and that's the way it was growing up it's what wrestling was all about um you know it, it gave me some successes that i wasn't getting in other places at that time in my life mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's it, it builds a confidence and yeah. yeah, and and it teaches you how to lose. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I know that from sports. That's yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, and it's that's I think people. Um, I mean, obviously it's a cliche, but you you know you win, you you learn more from losing than winning if you take it in the right way. And so I I won two matches my freshman year. I was I was good, but I had a bad attitude, and I didn't lose a match my senior year. And I tell people it's just the difference between. It was the attitude. Right. It was the same physically. I mean, yeah, a little bit better, but it was in your head. And that's the kind of stuff I learned out of wrestling. And wrestling's big on that. And Absolutely. Dan Gable is the best at figuring the out how that, how, yeah. how that works, you know. I was a kicker, and, and that, there's probably, you know, that's a big juxtaposition, oh. wrestling and kicking. You know, those are two different worlds. But I, Dan's always been an inspiration to me and just his mentality and how he approached his work. Well, but is, that's part of it, though. It's you, you're alone, it's in your head. Yeah. A lot of it's in your head. It's not like you don't know how to kick the ball. It's nowhere to hide when you're, when you're out there. That's for no, sure. that's for sure. So you, you got through Don Bosco, uh, worked your way through. What was the next step for you out of high school? I, I uh, um, actually ended up going to UNI. Um, you know, the big joke in our family is that it, the gift on your graduation was a suitcase. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not sure my mom actually knew where I went to college. She just knew it was time to go. So, 
you clear know, that house out. We got yeah, to get the rooms gotta, opened you, up. And, and, and they, you know, they're, they're, they're tearing down a bed before you're halfway down the road. And, and uh, <laughs> so anyways, um, I went to UNI. Um, I started wrestling there and I just, you know, it's really, I, you know, I look back and, and probably it was a good move. It was, I, I really needed to focus on school. Mm-hmm. That was really it. And I was paying the whole way and, uh, uh-huh. and I needed, you know, I needed to make it work. And uh, so, you know, I always look back and wished I'd, I'd have done a little bit more, um, you know, Dan Gable was very kind to me, and he recruited me as a throwing dummy down at <laughs> Iowa. Um, and it was really good. I enjoyed the process, and I, you know, they only had a four timer ahead of me and a four timer later between Yeagle and, and uh, Kinsas. So um, there was a spot yeah, in there. They, for, they were pretty. They were, they were rocking and rolling. Then. Yeah, yeah you, and you look. I looked in that room, and I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I was going to be anything but a throwing dummy <laughs> for at least four or five years. But anyways, I went to UNI, um, graduated, um, and I did. I did okay in school. Okay. I, I did, uh, um, yeah, good grades, things like that. What'd you study? Well, whatever was the quickest way I could get out of there. That's kind of a joke too. But I, I started in business, and I realized the lines were too long, so I went into industrial technology, okay. um, which was not the highest degree job um, in the place. But um, my engineers have fun with that, given they all work for me now, and my degree isn't as high as theirs. But I took that just. I, I was very pragmatic. You're, you're just pragmatic. That's the part about me. It's uh, um, you got to get it done. And so I got out of there and went to Winnebago. Right, um, right out of college, right, right over yeah, to Winnebago. Yeah, okay. I've only worked at two real jobs in my life, hmm. a lot of, and that's Winnebago in here. So I've been here about 29 years. I was at Winnebago about nine. Okay. And they were a great company. What was your first role there at Winnebago? I was an industrial engineer. Okay. And, um, and so I, I, and then I t- got my first management job. I was one of the youngest under key management team. It was a great company. Just went through a lot of ups and downs, mm-hmm. um, which is much different in here. You know, most of ours, it's been up yeah. and up and up, and, and there it was a tougher job in that you rode that cycle. But it was a great, it's a great company, very, uh, allows you to do things that most people would never have let me do. So. Absolutely. Was there a, a turning point in your time at Winnebago when you were kind of, you know, made that, made that turn on towards the, the leadership path, the management path? Uh, from where you started? Yeah, actually, was there someone, a mentor or an event or anything that might have happened there? That yeah, there actually was. Um, you know, I, I basically, from the day I got out of college, I never really had a boss. And um, so I, I did what I thought, you know, and, and, and what allowed me is a ton of latitude. So sure. I took jobs nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, my first major promotion, which was, I was, you know, 15 years junior to everybody in that level at management was a job nobody wanted. Okay. Every job I have ever gotten has been, I've been like the third pick kind of deal. <laughs> what was that job that no one wanted? It was, uh, they had, tore, they had uh, gone from two, um, three production lines um, major assembly lines to two, and it was a, you know it became a quality disaster. And okay. management had come in and, and tried to do just in time and tried to do a lot more kidding, and, and it was just a disaster. Quality was going down, sales were down, and it got time to rebuild that line. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked at the interview, you know, after they offered me, I said, "Well, why would you give it to me? Like I'm in my 20s, I've only had one real supervisor job." And the, and the answer was nobody wanted it. And so <laughs> I figured that's the honest god truth. Um, and so I figured, I figured, you know, what the heck, I came here looking for a job, I'll leave whenever I have to go. And so I, I rebuilt the line, it was the best line. I had great managers. Um, I figured out at that point in life that, you know, I picked people nobody picked to be my line people and they end up, one of them ended up being a vice president. I, I, I just, I was, I could pick people. That's what what I, is it about that? What do you, what do you look for in, in someone when you're picking them? What are, what are those qualities that make them stand out? Uh, uh, honesty and hard work and above average intelligence. <laughs> like, intelligence is a bit overrated, just okay. so you know. 
it's 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 really that attitude and and then and then there's and i don't you know i want to get weird here but there's there's a sense of loyalty mm-hmm. you know you gotta you gotta buy into each other um it's a lot like a team sure i, I mean i very much model sport again back to sports i mean i know I know the difference between why you know why we would win and why we would lose, and you could just tell the makeup of the team. The athletes were no better or worse. Yeah. And I contend um, a lot of times. Um, I've seen, I've seen a, you know a state titles being won by people that weren't half as good as they were two years ago right. as a team. So that's where I and I really I really I prescribe to this you know this idea. It's just about getting the right makeup of people. And yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy to screen for, by the way. Yeah, that that, that was my next question. Is that when you someone puts a resume, those are intangible things. Those are hard unless there's someone that you've that you've observed within your own organization for a certain amount of time. How do you through an interview process or a vetting process? How do you know if someone's going to be a hard worker or loyal? Are there are there questions or is it is it just sometimes just of a gut feel or how do how do you make those those well, judgments? Yeah, I, I actually um, I spend a tremendous amount of time even now, right, and in, in, in trying to figure out exactly how to do that because honestly, I don't think I have a great formula. What I do know is when I see it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I ride it, you know, to death. So, um, if you look around, the people are in our, my manager group. You know, I, I promoted um, our head of HR to a vice president role before the age of thirty. Wow. Um, I've got a, a, a woman in my finance department that came in here and found herself um, as a vice president of finance. You know, in her early thirties. Um, I really don't care. I don't care where you come from. I don't know who you. Are, you know, but when you see it, then then you got to grab it. Yeah. Screening for it. That's a whole different animal. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's. You know, there's, there's. An, I wish there's better science. I've, you know, I've looked at things like predictive index, and I've looked at different things, and I've tried to reverse engineer like success. Mm-hmm. But you know, anybody gets this down, they'll, you know, <laughs> anybody can figure that part out. Yes. But all I know is, if, if you know, if, if you see it, you better grab it, you better keep it, and you better, you know, better reward it, and you better motivate it, or, um, or you'll lose it. Sure. So. And, and only having two jobs uh, or working for two different companies, how did the, the opportunity here at Frontier come to be as you finished your time at Winnebago? And, and yeah. how, did, how, did the, how did the move from, from there to here happen? Well, you know, I, I loved Winnebago, and they were really, really good to me, but that ups and downs was taxing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you take a line from 120 down to 80 over, you know, a two-week period and wow. back up again. And that, you know, it's, it's a motorhome, RV industry, and it just gets blasted. And, and so that was difficult, and there was a lot of gut-wrenching decisions. And, and, and you know, I, I just, that, that bothered me. But more importantly, um, you know, the success, the, the line to the top, not that I ever had a goal to be at the top. It just was, you know, it was very um, scripted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I thought I'd, you know, I'd try to find a company where, you know, I'd be a uh, little uh, big fish in a little pond kind of deal. Right. And I found a company at, at Frontier who, you know, honestly aligned with my own social mission, you know, real purpose driven, mm-hmm. um, ma- doing some really cool things in the world. And I kind of want to be part of that. So I came here when we were cheapers, $8 million and 60 some employees. And now we're up a couple hundred million dollars and 570 employees. So I came here when I came, it was really, really a gem. And and people don't really understand what we do. Um, you probably have trouble finding us when you come in here. <laughs> We're not on the beaten path. And, yeah. um, but I just found a company that, you know, allowed me to sort of do the things I did my whole life. And I earlier said I didn't have a boss, and I got here, and I really didn't have a boss. So mm-hmm. I, I, I thrive in that. Um, it's not really great <laughs> to build a company on complete and total um, chaos, but I, I kind of thrive <laughs> on that. It's worked okay. You know, for so, me. So. Yeah. So that, that $8 million to, you know, several hundred million now, and... 
uh, and top line revenue. I mean, that's that's obviously the, the goal of any business. That sort of hockey stick growth. Looking back on that, as your time here, um, was there you know was there one success or one moment that really stands out to you as what? Yeah, again, back to that kind of turning point question here at Frontier. What's 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 been the the big the big moments for you that stand out uh, that, that have led to this sort of success? Well, you know, I came here as the head of ops, right? And the head of ops was, you know, what you like charge of lawn mowing and 10 people or something at that point but I came here um you know and um you know so I wasn't the, I wasn't a top leader you know I was probably third on the list or something right and we went through some changeover the founder and the um uh the person who um CEO ran the company left suddenly and and anyway we, we went through this this um change I wasn't really interested in being the CEO I had little kids uh, mm-hmm. you know it, and so they turned it over and I said you know I'll fill in for a while I ran it for about a year and a half they turned it over and it was a complete disaster I mean we were almost we, we were you know technically bankrupt at the end of less than a two-year period so what that's year was it. that 2000 to 2002 okay okay so so you know it, so much so that I actually didn't stay for a few months and 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 so the company went through this and so where's the big turning point you know um, you know, I, it was neither here nor there, you know, like based on my background, I, you know, I can pick up cans for, you know, along the road for a living. I, it wasn't like this desire to come back and be the head honcho. It was really a desire to, at that point, there was 200 families that were being supported and this place was going to go under. So I came right. back in and I hired my staff back and that's the big turning point. Um, you know, I recognize there, you know, what, what it means to, um, respect history and, and work on your core and, and, and not, you know, not, you know, I'll kick your coverage to use a football term. But, <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think we just kind of conquered down to the core basics. And that was a big turning point for me is, you know, I, I went from, um, I never thought I was really a CEO material. I don't really act like one. I, you know, there's a lot of things about me that's probably not fairly typical. But I realized that this doesn't make much difference. Uh, if you get good help, um, right. somebody's got to carry the title, and, and, but somebody else is doing the work. And, and I just figured out who that was and put them in place. So that was the biggest deal. And we kind of rallying the troops there after 2002 and building it back up. It's yep. easy. It was easy, right? I mean, you, know, you had sort of a everybody, you know, you need an opponent that was, you know, you know the, the lack of success and mm-hmm. prior management and let's get it going. And, and so we, for a 15-year period, we grew um, – you know, roughly 12% a year for 15 straight years. And since 2002, since those times. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I prescribed to the saying, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, and we came out of that thing a lot stronger. So, yeah. And, you know, along with that growth, you know, the numbers have been great, but you also, uh, you know, this philosophy of doing well by doing good. Mm-hmm. Can you expand upon that a little bit? I know that's core to what you guys do here. And, um, you know, how, how has that played a part in the success? Yeah, oh, it's huge. I, you know, I think actually it's two, even two years ago, my board was, was listening to us and, 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 you know, listening to our plan. And, and there's a lot of that kind of doing good stuff in it. It's like, well, you guys sound for a not-for-profit. And I asked them if they'd been drinking um, because you, you'd have <laughs> yeah, to look, look at the numbers. Yeah, guys. exactly. Like, exactly. Profit it's not your first day here. Right. And the answer is, you know, was that you can't separate that from our work. What we've do, done a little bit more is market against it. But we have a lot of elements, um, you know, what we're doing with our employees, right, and how we invest in them. We pay 100% of the college, two, four, really? uh, masters, no, no payback, no nothing. Hmm. You, we, we've done that um, for decades now. Um, we, you know, we've got on-site towel care. We, we invest in the development. You know, so there's employees. Um, our supply partners is where we really go deep, okay? We, we um, 
we have we have six people who source around the world. Wow. We spend roughly it's never it's not a charity it's it's a, an investment. We spend roughly a million dollars in social responsible spending a year to build things like our supply chain, and the work you know in the communities to make it a better place. And mm-hmm. and it's good PR. It's sure. good, and it works. And give me an example of a, of a story uh, internationally that you guys have done of late. Oh yeah, um, let's see. The latest would be with the Nepal project. But you know we we've, we've got a great story in Madagascar and digging wells. We opened a school in. Madagascar, we help do um, dorm rooms in Vietnam for schools. We, um, I mean, it goes on and on. We, we do both community building like mm-hmm. or business building. So we bought grinders, you know, roller mills for people, um, metal detection. We opened a dental clinic uh, three years ago now um, in um, Guatemala. And so we... We uh, we just I can give you a hundred sure. of those over time. And these are all on on sites close to producers. Yeah, and okay. it's about building their business. Uh-huh. Um, the the plight of um, micro farmers around the world are not much different than the plight of farmers here in Iowa. Um, it's hard to keep people on the land. Um, you know, it's, the kids on the land. Um, you know, they have to have a reason. You got to make their sure. lives better. So, um, the coolest thing we're doing right now, and that whole doing good is. You know, I recognized a couple of years ago going into the prison system and, and, and doing some, um, spending a day listening to some guys do some Shark Tank pitch. And okay. these guys were in a program over in Omaha. And then I realized how smart these guys were. So, you know, I came back, so we got to start tapping into that. And we, uh, we had uh, Iowa's Returning Citizen of the Year, um, mm. just got honored here earlier this spring. That's awesome. At the, um, uh, the governor, um, you know, um, Reynolds, um, called us out at the State of the Union thing and, and had our um, employee there. He just got another promotion here. He's a really, really smart guy. Um, and um, and then I realized that there's all, with 2.4% unemployment in the area, you got to mm. do something. So we run a bus. We've always supported the Willis Dady Center, Homeless Center, and Catherine McCulley. So we run a bus every day, three shifts, and bring people who are homeless, um, people who are find themselves in the, um, you know, disadvantage. And so we've hired about six of them and probably got 10 or 12 in the system now to be hired. So that's the way it's, that's what we're providing better access to employment. But that's sort of doing good, right? But yeah. it's not it's not a charitable act. It's uh, we're trying to hire employees in a tough market, and we're just going to go places other people don't dare to do it. So has that sort of uh, I call it enlightened self interest? Has that always sort of been a, a core part of Frontiers' philosophy, or is that something that you've really moved and evolved uh, since you've been the leader here? Well, I, I've, I spend a lot of time moving and evolving it because it's, it's really meaningful. But it's been here since okay. I got here 29 years ago. Um, in my interview, as you walked through the plant, the CEO at that time stopped and said, see that tea crate? That's a year's wages for um, a family of five. And, and, and it struck wow. me at that moment, right? It's like, man, this is a big deal. But no, I, I, I've doubled and tripled down on it. But um, the good part about it is that, you know, it's it, not only does it trip my trigger, but it helps us with sales. So mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, and, and then and then the probably the biggest thing is uh, um, the biggest thing is the idea that uh, it, our employees want to work for a company like that. Sure. They're proud of it. So it has that's where, you know, that works kind of things. Right. It does work because people want to be part. You got to pay them well, good benefits. But you got to give them that sense of purpose. And a lot of companies don't understand their purpose. Speak a bit about it's got to be very rewarding um, as a native Iowan to be here and and it helps build this company that's, you know, obviously a big part of the the economy here in eastern Iowa, but has international reach. Talk a bit about Frontier and its relationship to the state and the area and how, how important that is to you. Yeah, well, I've run some, we've had some factories out, you know, a factory outside of Iowa, and I, I, I will attest to the work ethic of the people of Iowa. I think the rural community, we're committed to the rural community. We, we 
Yes, we have, you know, we have four plants around here, and, but they're really on the edges. I mean, North Liberty is the one that it probably is the exception, but we just invested in Belle Plaine a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And so the rural, we're, we're committed to rural Iowa, and I challenge our state leaders, and I've challenged our, the people in Washington to continue to um, um, you know, think about rural America a little bit differently because we all know what's happening to um, rural Iowa, and, and I think we're part of that solution. I and mean, we're hiring people, and they live in Belle Plaine and Marengo and Williamsburg, and they live in Blairstown, and, and, and not everybody wants to live in right. Cedar Rapids, Iowa City. Yeah, no, no doubt it's a great Iowa success story. Um, so, Tony, we finish every interview here with some rapid-fire questions just to okay. kind of get, get a little insight into your, your daily life and, and philosophy on things. Um, how much of your success, if looking back on it, would you contribute to luck versus uh, hard work? Well, I'll go back to a quote I said earlier, make your own luck. So I, I, I think you have to get your – people don't hit the winning shot in a ball game by not shooting thousands and thousands of times. So um, I, I, think it's, I think it's a mixture. I think you've got to be right place, right time. Hard work is the biggest part of it, but you have to recognize right. luck. And looking back on your professional career, what's been your most important failure? Well, you know, it feels recent now, but, you know, we, my infrastructure, I didn't keep our infrastructure. You kind of alluded to that kind of um, chaotic, you know, lack of systems. Um, not growing in my infrastructure as fast as the business grew. Okay. You pay for that at some point. Sure. If, if given the chance, what profession other, other than your own here at Frontier would you most like to attempt? Oh, I'd be a carpenter all day long, okay. construction guy. Yeah. Do you still do some of that work on the side? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I build lots of things for fun. Dig a lot of holes. <laughs> cool. Um, how about a, a favorite leader or business leader that, that you've looked up to throughout your career? You know, um, I have I have a lot of different leaders that are not always all in business, but I say Warren Buffett. And the, mm-hmm. and, and the reason I say not just because the guy's just crazy rich is that I like how he rolls. Yeah. I like, I, I mean, I just like how he rolls. I like his car. I like his house. I like him <laughs> giving all his money away. I think it's, I think it's like, I wish I was that rich and give more away. Yeah, right? you got a favorite Buffett quote or anything like, off the top of the head? No, I I, I don't. I can't. I I, I favorite interview favorite interview where he talks about you know um, the idea that he gave all his wealth away and how his grandkids you know knew that from day one that they're not going to get money, money. And I found it's just his approach to charity just to be inspiring. Really, that's great. Um, how about a podcast or TV show? Any anything that you, that's on your on your. Uh, your phone right now or your your ipad at home yeah um revisionist history okay. i listen i love that malcolm gladwell so yeah. i love history mm-hmm. I, you know ignore it you're doomed to repeat it i love the way he twists it around it's, it's been it's been great it is a great one uh how about a motivational quote we already had a couple good gable quotes Any, anything else stand out oh geez Bes- besides to make your own luck and uh you know um that's my biggest one i think in life so. okay great um 30 extra minutes in, in a day what would you do with it go outside <laughs> I like be to be outdoors. outside. Sure. That's a, I, yeah, that's all I like to do. Um, how about a most influential book, something that you, or maybe something you've read recently that's that's that stood out. You know, it's always a commonly held joke that if it doesn't have a lot of pictures, I probably haven't read it. Um, <laughs> okay. But you know, honestly, if I'm thinking about a book as it relates to business, my most inspirational book had to do with Shackelford, and and yeah, I love I love real survival kind of stuff. Okay. So that whole thing, you know. Um, but you know, for a business book, is this just goes back decades, but it's still relevant. It's the it's the goal by that Eli Goldratt and the understanding of constraints and stuff. It's really about how we do our business. It's like lower the water, see where the problem is, and keep working. So okay, um, and then in, just in one sentence, define success. Uh, hard work that culminates in a win. Great, simple but true. I appreciate it. Thanks, right. Tony. Thank yeah. you so much. You bet. 
This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. Thank you.